Hi, you're listening to 48 Minutes, and this is Tim Kittrow from NBA Jam. Ooh, boom, shakalaka. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the Bench Mob, a 48 minutes podcast i am here today with the bench the bench mob dudes i'm here with ben brown and joshua hayes uh we are kicking it here on a uh, sunday night talking some hoops uh tim's out at uc tonight watching them uh play some some college basketball and uh also congratulations to the bearcats on making it to the college football playoffs for the first time ever which is a Big thing you don't see here in Cincinnati often, uh, football and playoffs. So <laughs> That's true. <laughs> very, very true statement. Very ben, true how you statement. doing tonight, man? Buddy, I'm doing well. Um, you know, Sunday night, you know, is, is big for the fam. You know, we're trying to get, you know, stuff done and and uh, watch football and, and get ready for another week. So, But life is good. Things are good. You know, it's basketball season. Um the NBA is in full swing, of course. College basketball is in full swing. So um, trying to get, get able to sit down and watch some games has been tough because, of course, my own kids are playing sports. But, um, man, I tell you what, being able to catch up uh, on those condensed games and watch some things kind of at your own leisure is pretty cool. So uh, ready to talk some NBA hoops with my boys and uh, get the pod started. Josh, how are we feeling tonight? Uh, I'm saying, man, I'm feeling good. You know, um, we were having a conversation earlier, and I, I was talking about how it was hard to to get on and watch, sit down and watch full games. So now you're sitting and watching clips and highlights and and trying to get ready for stuff like this. And I'm with Ben. You know, kids are playing sports right now. I have one that's injured, not able to go currently. So we're in the process of um, – trying to get him nursed back to health and trying to watch kids and watch other kids in the family play as well. So I kind of look forward to Sunday nights when you can just kind of sit down, decompress and talk a little basketball. So here we are ready to go. You guys are yeah. completely just embedded with dad stuff right now. You, <laughs> yeah, got, it's crazy. you got all the dad sports going on. You got the holidays coming up and then you're trying to balance that by actually watching some hoops. So it's a lot going on. I, I get it. I get it. So, um, well, guys, a lot has happened in the NBA this week. Um, we're going to touch on a couple things uh, that that are, are pretty major in my mind. Um, on Friday afternoon, it was announced that the Portland Trailblazers have fired their GM, Neil Olshay. Uh, he's also their basketball president of basketball operations. Now, he has been there since 2012. And according to the Portland Trailblazers, um, they have fired him due to violating the team's code of conduct. Uh, their, uh, their actual statement was out of the respect for, of those who candidly participated in that privileged investigation. We will not release or discuss it. The trailblazers said in a statement, we are confident that these changes will help build a more positive and respectful working environment. 
Now, there's been a lot of rumble over the last uh, couple of years. I feel like there's been some small runs. Um, they ended up, uh, there was a lot of other candidates that uh, were up for the Portland Trailblazers coaching job this year, and he went with Chauncey Billups, and that was a bit of a controversy, which I wasn't even really aware of. But um, this is going to change things in Portland. Portland, I feel like, is a is a team that's kind of been stuck um, in the same spot for about three years. Yeah. Um, they have one of the best players in basketball and Damian Lillard, uh, CJ McCollum, another great wingman um, on this squad. Um, and there's been talk about a possible Damian Lillard trade um, going on for the last two seasons. And we haven't seen anything. Um, Josh, do you feel like we're, we're getting closer to a, a Dame Lillard trade finally getting him out of there and seeing him someplace else? Um, yeah, I, I was kind of under the understanding that Dame had a lot of pull in having that process started as well, too. Um, I know, um, he was drafted, uh, right after my man was hired. Um, I'm sure that was probably one of his first decisions that he made when he was in the position was, was drafting Dame Lillard. So, you know, they've been there for the whole tenure together. Um, but I do think when, when you do bring a new regime in like that, um, and I don't know if any other pieces are going to change, you know, after this season, whatnot, but you usually seem to start seeing turnover. So, I mean, it could, it could even be the, the, the part where we start seeing the Blazers even rebuild. So not only do you maybe see Dame go, um, you might see CJ go as well um, and then try to start all over. Uh, I, I don't know if it'll happen. In, in this season, but I do think there's a possibility that Dame will not be there after this season, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I would agree so, with that. Go ahead, Ben. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I, I think that um, this has been a mess probably, probably every, you know, for the, like you said, the last three years. Uh, I remember them coming out and, and firing Stotts. Um, which I thought Stotts did a really good job. Um, they never really helped his roster. They, you know, they never really gave him big time pieces to be able to get over the hump in Portland. Um, but I remember him coming out and saying, like, you know, it was Stotts' fault. Like they they couldn't get over the hump, and you know, it, it you know, not looking at the roster. And then you had the Chauncey Billups hire. Um, so there were a lot of different things that that went on. Um, that made this kind of a mess and, and they've been kind of Portland's been in kind of purgatory. I mean, outside of Dame Lillard, you know, hitting a couple big shots and, and getting into the second round of the playoffs, they really haven't done much. Their roster has been kind of stagnant and stale. Um, I hope that Dame's able to get out of there. Now, I, I don't know what's in his contract as far as, you know, uh, trade rights or, or whatever the case may be, but, um, it would be nice to see him uh, get on a contender and be able to play for championships because obviously that's not going to happen in Portland. Yeah, I I like what you said there, Ben, about them having a kind of a stale roster. I feel like uh, the Portland Trailblazers have really kind of sat on their hands the last couple mm -hmm. of seasons uh, and not really built around um, a guy like Dame. Uh, 
couple seasons ago, he had that shot in the playoffs that was absolutely incredible, and he, he waved off uh, the losing team. And and I don't know, I, I, it felt kind of like a turning point, but since then, uh, we really haven't had anything happen with that squad. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, I, and Terry Stotts, man, I thought he was a hell of a coach there, I really did. Um, you know, throwing everything on him. Uh, I don't necessarily think that's, that's fair when you don't really, you know, help build out this team a little bit more. Um, you know, I feel like CJ McCollum has been in trade rumors for like the last seven years Mm -hmm. and he's still there. Um, you know, so it's like, if you're not gonna do anything ever, then how are you going to get over the hump? You can't just throw that all on Dame's back and say, you know, get us to the promised land right now. Uh, the Portland trailblazers, uh, we'll probably talk about them a little bit later as well, but they are, uh, 11 and 13. They're a, they're a half game out of the play-in game in the Western conference. Um, obviously a lot of season to go left, you know, for the, for the rest of the year. So we'll see where they go. But, um, there was a rumor that was started, I guess, uh, yesterday by Stephen A. Smith and, you know, I usually I, I step back when Stephen A says anything, but this is the guy that told <laughs> us that LeBron was going to go to the Heat. You know, he guaranteed it. He said it was going to happen, and it didn't happen. So he's got connections. So um, he is stating that uh, while Damian Lillard has given no indication that he would like to be traded, um, if he were to leave Portland, the New York Knicks are are the team that he would like to be traded to. Hmm. Um Smith also said that there are folks that are in Lillard's camp that wish he would give the Philadelphia 76 or stronger consideration, which is where I think that, that I feel like that's kind of a dream scenario for the NBA is him getting out to Philly. Um, but everybody always wants to go to New York. Now, I don't know what you give up for a guy like Dame out in New York. I don't think you really have anything that's the, you know, I mean, you might have some draft picks, things of that nature that you're going to be able to throw out there, but it's not like they're going to give up Randall for Dame. You know what I mean? Right. It's like, you want, you want to give Randall that second guy. And it's like, you know, you know, do you give up D Rose? You know? Uh, yeah. Do, um, do, why would Portland want D Rose? You know what I mean? It's just like eh, Kimball Walker's in, in, in purgatory right now. So yeah. it's, it's kind of a messy situation over in New York right now. So I, I don't, I just don't see that one happening. And I, I feel like, if anyone has gotten burned for trading all of their assets for one player in the last <laughs> decade, I'm going to say it's the New York Knicks. Yeah, they've made some. They've made some of the biggest boneheaded moves I've ever I've ever seen. So, uh, you know, I, I remember you know 15 years ago when they gave up. You know, the Bulls traded them Eddie Curry, and they ended up giving that draft pick that became Joakim Noah. You know. Yeah. And, Eddie Curry was out of the league in two and a half years after they got him. So it's, Mm -hmm. you know, they do things like that. They traded literally their entire team for Carmelo Anthony. They got, I think one playoff appearance out of that. Um, So I don't know if that would be the, uh, the way that I would go if I were New York, if they were actually interested in it, I think they should just probably stay course. Right. Yeah. Continue onward with Tibbs. But I do think a, a Philadelphia Dame Lillard, um, trade would be very very entertaining for not just myself but the entire league right now and all of the fans um Embiid is in in need of another star at this point Ben Simmons I'm tired of talking about Ben Simmons I love Ben but I I, 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 Ben would be happy in Portland 
<laughs> you know, I don't, don't want to be in. You don't want to be in Philly trading the I feel, winners, I feel like we're gonna get to like Valentine's Day, and they're gonna be like, "Are you ready to play?" And he's gonna be like, "Well, not quite." You know, yeah. so so there's a lot of. I mean, they do have some interesting pieces. In, in in well you know do you take you know matisse thibault you know but i don't think they'd want to give him up you know what i mean no. so it's like they've got they got a couple pieces that they could move on so it's going to be interesting to see but i do feel like uh with portland getting getting their gm out the door who was creating a bunch of havoc and, and a so-called toxic work environment um that uh you know there's going to be some changes on the horizon. And I feel like I, I agree with, with Josh here and saying, I think at the end of the year, I think they're going to evaluate this team. They're going to give them this one last season and maybe move on, but maybe who knows, they might do it before then, you know, create a big stir mid season. So we'll yeah. see what happens in Portland. So well, one last um, thing I want, I want to sure. throw at that real quick is that they, they promoted Joe Cronin to that position. And, um, He's been with the team longer than uh, Ashley has, and I'm pretty sure he has a big role in the construction of, of that team. Um, I think he handles the team's salary cap. Um, he handles a lot of the draft stuff, and uh, he also handles a lot of the player evaluations. So I'm wondering how much, how much say he had in the construction of the roster of Portland along with uh, Ashley before he got done. And it's like, is it going to be a continuation of what was going on as far as like how they are constructed moving forward? Or does he completely have full reins and control of what happens from here on out? So I don't know if they were working together as a team. I don't know if he had more say or if Ashley had more say, but I'm saying like he definitely has a lot of say in what goes into the roster construction. So, um, you know, it says that he's been with the Blazers – uh, since 06. Um, mm. That's you know, a long time. His positions with the organization. Um, but, you know, like you said, they, you know, they went to the Western Conference Finals and unfortunately they ran into Golden State and I'm sure they lost that series and they were like, man, like in order to compete with them, like we have to add stuff to our roster and then they did nothing. <laughs> nothing. Like, right. Nothing. And that's been status quo for them. You know, the only other team in recent years that, that kind of reminds me of, of what's been going on in Portland were the Atlanta Hawks about 10 years ago where they had uh, Kyle Korver and they had uh, Al Horford and uh, Joe Johnson. Like that team that just – they just – they put them all together and they just let them sit together and just like for five or six years. Now, one of those seasons, they made it to the Eastern conference finals. They finally got over the hump, mm -hmm. but it was like every year they were like a perennial, like six to eight seed, you know? And it's like, and I, I remember, you know, years ago talking about, you know, why don't they just do something? They've got all these assets. It's like, if they're not getting over the hump after three seasons, why do you keep going on there? And then I say that, then they make the Eastern conference finals. So, NBA is very predictable and unpredictable. So, you know, you never know what's going to happen, but you know, I feel like there's going to need to be some changes in Portland if they want to, they want to move forward and it might be time for a, uh, you know, a rebuild. I remember when they, they drafted Dame. Uh, I'm not sure that they expected him to be as good as he ended up turning out. I mean, he was, uh, he came out of the gates just like a bat out of hell immediately. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, so we'll see. That's something to really keep our eyes on. Uh, for the rest of the season. It'll be interesting to see what happens. So 
Guys, I don't know if you saw last night, because I usually don't watch a whole lot of basketball late on Saturday evenings. I'm usually doing something else. But the Chicago Bulls, my team, ended up beating the Brooklyn Nets for the second time this season. Um, They uh, knocked both New York teams out. They are the kings of New York right now. Um, And this is all because (laughs) – and – I will say this. I have not been this excited to be a Chicago Bulls fan in a very long time. Uh, and I never thought that I would be saying this, but uh, where you tomorrow, been this year? What was that? Where you been this year? That's all we've been talking about. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. We, we, that's, <laughs> well, here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. So, you know, they've been great pretty much the whole season, but this is all because I feel like of one addition to this team. And that's DeMar DeRozan, who has just played out of his mind the last, uh, you know, actually since the the beginning of the season, him and Zach Levine together have been one of the best pairings. They're calling them slash brothers, all these things. Um, DeMar DeRozan has become at this very moment. He is the number one fourth quarter scorer in the NBA. Mm-hmm. At this point, he is the best fourth quarter player. Um, the last couple of games that I've watched of these guys, um, I know everybody always talks about his mid-range game, but his mid-range game is so steady and reliant. I mean, it's it's almost when in, there's like an open Steph Curry three, no matter how weird the shot is that DeMar DeRozan has to throw up over top of a bigger defender – if it's at the foul line, it almost always goes in at this point. Like I am expecting every single mid-range shot to go into the basket at this point. So mm-hmm. he has, like I said, he is now leading the league in fourth quarter scoring. Do you guys know who the number three fourth quarter scorer is in the league? I would have to say Zach. It is Zach Levine. So – which is incredible. But last year, I feel like, well, the last two years, I would say, I feel like the entire league kind of rode off DeMar DeRozan and he was traded. He was, he was the best, if not the second best player in a Toronto Raptors roster where he was traded for Kawhi Leonard. And of course they won the title. Um, are you guys impressed by this this year? Like I'm, I'm just blown away by, by this man's ability to play. Like he's an MVP conversation right now. And all these outlets were saying, you know, he was the worst, you know, free agency signing of the season and everything. And he has completely reemerged as a complete and utter superstar. Yeah, I agree, man. I, I think that, um, He's been a perfect complement to Zach Levine because Zach Levine was becoming a, a star last year, um, a, able to score the basketball and, and create his own shot. Um, and you add a guy like DeRozan who kind of was – he kind of got written off because he went down there with the Spurs, um, and, and the Spurs haven't been good in the last couple years, so people kind of forgot about him. Um, they forgot how good he was in Toronto. You know, it's all, you know, the NBA is a what, what have you done for me lately league? 
You know what I mean? So if he's not in the playoff picture, you don't see him on a nightly basis, you forget how good he is. But now he's in Chicago and he's on this roster. And I mean, he's, and you got to give, I know we talk about the Bulls a lot, but we got to give them credit. Like that roster is just so solid. Um, you know, you had a guy like Vucevic, you had a guy like Caruso. Lonzo Ball's been incredible. I mean, that, yeah, I mean, the roster's, the roster is incredible. And then you, you put a guy like DeRozan with Levine. You have a guy who can facilitate like Lonzo. Um, you have a guy come off the bench playing defense like Caruso. And then you've got a steady guy in the middle with Vucevic who, you know, he could go 11 and 8 or he could go 28 and 15. I mean, like yep. he can give you all kind whatever you need that night. Um, so it, it's it's cool to see. But DeRozan was kind of that that lost guy. And, and it's not fair to him because he got traded away from Toronto and then Toronto wins and people forgot what him and Kyle Lowry have built up in Toronto before that trade had happened and how good he was then. So um, it's cool to see him have success. Um, and it's cool to see um, um, those guys put something together that could be pretty special, even though it is in the Eastern Conference and it is in the same conference with my Pacers. Uh, I am not happy about that. However, uh, <laughs> you know, to watch the Bulls and see what, they, what they've done and how DeRozan has played, um, it's been, I mean, it's been pretty special. So over the last, it looks like, I mean, this, this is just the last couple of, of weeks. So against the Nets, he gave him 29 points, six rebounds, three assists against the Knicks, 34 points, six rebounds, three assists. Hornets, 28 points, five rebounds, six assists. Heat, 28 points, seven rebounds, one assist. I mean, every night, this guy is just going out there and just if if Zach is having an off night, and Zach does have some off nights. Like the other night against the Nets, he wasn't great. Like he was not great up until the last couple of minutes. He had some big shots. Um, but I feel like in the fourth quarter – you can go to him and he's going to be able to just get you any kind of bucket if he just gets on into the inside of the key at that point. So I know one of the biggest knocks against DeMar DeRozan has been his three-point shooting over the years. Um, and he's not a great three-point shooter uh, at no. all. But um, he has been shooting it more lately. Um, when they played the Magic uh, back on November 26th, he was three for three on threes. Uh Next three games didn't hit any threes, and then last night he was one for two. So um, I feel like if he's open and it's a good shot, he's going to take it. But if you get him into the into the key area, and it doesn't matter who is guarding him, and you know, like last night it was Kevin Durant, who is you know one of the longest human beings in the NBA, uh, trying to shoot the ball over top of a guy like that consistently and just making shot after shot. I mean, it's just incredible what he's got going on over there. Um, and he really, and like you said, Ben, he is, he's the guy that they needed to help them get over the hump. I mean, mm -hmm. adding Vooch last season, uh, we didn't really know if the fit was good or not, but he's really worked everything out. Donovan has built like a really good, really good roster up with the well brought up a really good roster with these guys Lonzo Ball has been amazing Alex Caruso has been amazing I know we talk about the Bulls quite a bit but DeMar DeRozan is just playing like a complete nutter stud right now and uh I'm I'm hoping this this continues for the rest of the season I mean this is uh this is a guy I, I 
I just like that he's out there and he's he's proven people wrong after last season. And I was one of those guys who wrote him off after he got traded to San Antonio. I never thought he was going to be the same again. But here he is. He's out there just getting buckets night after night. Um, it's going to be interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm just really, really loving what I'm seeing this year from this guy. I just think that he's, he's – I, I think he's, he's definitely going to be back on the all-star team if he keeps playing like this this year. Mm-hmm. I want to throw this stat out here because this is this is definitely not this, – this is very what I would probably consider very Golden State-esque. Um, and if I looked up some advanced metrics, which, Ben, I know that you've become a, a pro at that. <laughs> the, five guys, the five guys on the Bulls that average the most minutes is Ball, DeRozan, Caruso, Levine, and Vucevic. Um, and obviously Caruso usually comes off the bench. But those five guys on the floor average five assists, four assists, four assists, four assists, and four assists. So almost all of their assists come from those five guys. And it's even keel, which tells me that when those five are on the floor together, the ball moves a lot. Mm-hmm. And like I said, if we were to go in some advanced metrics, I'm sure I could find that out. Um, they also don't turn the ball over that much when those five guys are on the floor. Um, I looked up stats that the Bulls are top five in shooting percentage. They're top five in free throw percentage. Um, they they are a very efficient offensive basketball team. And a lot of it has to do with um, DeMar doesn't shoot a lot of threes, um, but I do know that he, he's being more consistent at hitting threes this year. I think he's hitting about one out of every three. Which is <laughs> which is lower than the league average, but that's kind of high for him. But then you yeah. have a guy like Lonzo. You have a guy like Lonzo who's shooting, you know, forty two percent from three point range, which I think is tops on the team. So, and then you got Zach that's kind of in the middle. So, like they're very consistent. And I think the the play, if if we're able to show highlights, the kind of play that that for me that kind of shows the bull season in a nutshell is when um, Caruso scrambles for that ball on the floor. He gets the steal. He gets the ball to Lonzo. Lonzo throws a full court bounce pass to Zach Levine, who has a 360 dunk at the end of it. And you're just kind of like, wow, that's kind of how their season's been so far. Like they're fun to watch. Um, they don't really have uh, yet. I mean, it's still early. Like, like you said, I know, I know uh, DeMar is number one in the fourth quarter in scoring Zach's number three. I wouldn't necessarily say yet they have a true closer, but those stats say otherwise. But when you look at it, when the game goes into the fourth quarter, they have guys on their team that are not scared to take shots in the fourth quarter. And two of those guys are in the top five, and it says they're pretty much clutch and they're going to knock them down. So most teams have a guy to go to. It seems like the Bulls can can kind of pick and choose who they want to go to. So there's going to be a lot of games when the games are close, and they basically have two closers on the floor that can take over at any given time. Yeah, and, and and you know it's not just Zach Levine, Demar Derozan. Like last night, you know, uh, Lonzo Ball didn't have a great game. He had a. You look at his stats. I mean, he, he's always got a nice stat line. Or got you know, he's always like flirting with a triple double in some way. That's just always how Lonzo is. But um, he's he hasn't shot the three point ball very well in the last three or four games. But last night. Um, he did hit, you know, what was pretty much the game winning shot to seal the game against Brooklyn. So, um, I feel like there's a lot of trust on this team for any of these guys to step up. Um, and they got that AU kid, 
uh, from Chicago, who's been riding the bench with them, man. And he ended up, he put in 12 points uh, last night too. So they've got, uh, they've just got a really, really interesting team. I think that they're one piece away um, from, from really making some true noise. And I, I'm, I'm hoping that they have the courage to maybe make a move at the trade deadline to get them in that, uh, that range. Cause I really think this season uh, it's really in the East. I think it's completely open. Yeah, I would agree with that. So, so guys, um, next thing I kind of wanted to go into um, this last week, uh, we had the biggest blowout in NBA history. <laughs> um, <laughs> that was that was awful, by the way. And it was it was terrible. So uh, this will kind of segue into our next uh, our next segment here. Um, the uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder were beat by a. NBA record 73 points uh, by the Memphis Grizzlies the other night. This is a Memphis Grizzlies team that <laughs> without John have, Morant didn't even have John Morant. Oh my gosh, jaws out, uh, hurt right now. And uh, um, how do you come back from something like that? How do you, you come back? You don't. Like, you like, don't. It's, it's, <laughs> like it's just like you know, and I've like. You know, as an NBA player and as an NBA professional, like, like how does that ha- – like, 73 points? Like, that's just that's just bonkers to me. Like, I don't even know – I mean, are you trying? Like, you have to try to lose by 73 points. Like, that, that that's just – you oh. know, it kind of speaks for their franchise as a whole. You know what I mean? So, I don't know. It, that That was crazy. Well, and I feel like at a certain point, it's it's so demoralizing uh, for young players. Now, the Oklahoma City Thunder were running probably the worst starting lineup that was ran this NBA season. Um, so that and that's and that's why that happened. But you got to look at the top here. You got to look at Sam Presti, who is a guy who's made some bold moves over the last you know ten years. They got, they got draft picks. They have so many draft picks. <laughs> they got draft picks, and hey. it look and it looks like they are attempting to get another one this year. Um, but at a certain point, as a fan of a franchise, to watch a game like that, um, I just I don't really feel like you're in good conscience putting a good product on the floor at that point. Yeah, you no. know, if it was now. Now, if they come back this next week and they start, you know, whipping ass around the NBA, well, you know, maybe that's a wake up thing, but they're not going to, you know, that's the thing with this, this squad, they're, they're pretty much built to lose at the moment. Um, So um, with that being said, I want to talk about your guys' most disappointing teams that you've, you've seen this year in the NBA. I've got a couple the Thunder are a pretty disappointing squad, um, but you know we kind of expected them to not be great. Um, the one I wanted to talk about, and it's it's not because of them not playing hard or or anything of that nature, but just because of a lot of terrible circumstances. Uh, the Denver Nuggets uh, yeah. this season uh, they just lost Michael Porter Jr. for the uh, the rest of the season. Uh, with a back injury, which he's had problems with, I believe, since he got into the league. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's gone. Uh, we still have uh, Jamal Murray out. Uh, 
uh, from la- from a year ago um, coming back, and you have the MVP of the league on this team. Um, right now, if the playoffs were to start today, the Nuggets would be the seventh seed. They are sitting exactly at 500. Mm-hmm. Um, but you look at a team like the Nuggets, who two seasons ago were – just absolutely bonkers. Awesome. And then last year, of course, uh, Jokic having his best season and becoming an MVP. This is a disappointing year so far for the nuggets. And I don't feel as if the nuggets are in the same tier at all as the warriors of the Suns at this point. No, no, they're not. Um, you know, What's it does stink that they lost Michael Porter Jr. because he was going to be a big part of what they were going to be. Uh, they knew that they weren't going to have Jamal Murray. Um, Aaron Gordon, I mean, he's he's played all right, but you're asking him to do way more than what he's supposed to be doing with without having Jamal Murray or Michael Porter Jr. on the floor. Um, I like Will Barton, I like I like parts of their roster, and of course. I mean, there's Jokic. I mean, he's still having an MVP caliber season. Guy's averaging 26, almost 14 rebounds, and almost at six, over a little bit over six assists a game. So, I mean, he leads them in every statistical category. If you look across their stat line, he leads them in steals, he leads them in assists, he leads them in rebounds, and he leads them in points. So, not only is he doing it all of it offensively, he's also having a fairly good defensive year as well. So, um, you know the rest of that roster um, is is not great. So you know you've you've got an MVP. You know you know you had Murray coming back. I, I think the loss of Porter was huge for them. Um, you know you pick up a Jeff Green. Um, Will Barton has played well, um, but overall, like they just they have they've really just been middle of the road. Like they've been very middle of the road. Uh, and that's with Jokic playing MVP basketball. So um, to say, you know, they were disappointing, yeah, I, I definitely would agree with that. Um, just on the simple fact that, you know, you just expect more of them. But I do think that the West is – it's hard to say this, but I do think the West is better because, you you know, Golden State's back on top. Phoenix has been phenomenal. Um, you know, so you've got a lot of different – avenues and aspects to go with that as well but yeah denver's kind of slid back a little bit hopefully jamal murray can come back i'm not sure what his timeline is but hopefully he can come back and and help them right the ship a little bit yeah i feel like you know aaron gordon is a is you know somebody who really needs to really step up on this we're paying him a lot Mm -hmm. of money to come in here and do this you know now they beat the knicks uh last night but aaron gordon had five points two rebounds one assist and Mm -hmm. he had three steals but it's like that's not a great stat line uh for a guy that's kind of the he's kind of the second man on the totem pole right now Mm -hmm. so yeah yeah um i just wanted to add real quick i I know that when you got a roster that's really comp- composed of, of of fifteen guys, um, and you know two of your main guys are out right now, and then you know COVID's starting to hit a lot of teams. So like even right now, like a guy like Austin Rivers, like kind of probably makes a little bit of a difference. Um, I never know what they're doing with Bowl Bowl. 
I think we all agree that the guy should probably get more playing time. I, I'm not quite sure why he doesn't get more playing time than what he does. Um, but, you know, they're they're rolling with, with, with Campazzo. You know, he's playing 30 minutes a game, and uh, it's, it's different, you know, when, you know, you're used to having Jamal Murray out there, you know, running – the guard spot with Morris and then, you know, these other guys come in and sub for just a little bit. So I just think, I think their rotation and everything is all messed up and they're trying to figure things out and they're just not the same team that they were. And they haven't been the same since Jamal went down. I don't know if you can recover from a guy like that. That's giving you 25 points a game. I just don't know if that's, if you, if you replace that in your, in your lineup and Aaron Gordon was not going to fix that. Porter was the guy that was going to step up and he showed flashes of it. But now mm-hmm. out with the base, the same injury that's kept him out up to this point. Um, and, you know, he might not ever be the same. Right. So they're 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 going to they're going to dance on if they can make the playoffs or not. And if they don't get healthy, if they don't get Jamal Murray back at some point, like I don't know if they're going to be able to stay afloat <laughs> to even be in that playoff game. If they can't figure stuff out, if they don't make a move. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, and Jamal Murray was just hitting a stride too, man. Like he was, he was starting to play. He was him and Donovan Mitchell were like neck and neck, like of like going back and forth as who was, you know, who was going to be the better guy, that better guard out there out in the West. And then he goes down. Losing a guy like that is is a backbreaker for a franchise. And on top of that, like you said, Josh Porter being out for another season, like those are those are franchise breaking injuries um those two guys being out so uh you know that's well, tough and and you know I, I i'm not gonna go ahead and shut the window on these guys right. uh, the, the warriors obviously i feel like a lot of us kind of shut the window on the warriors a couple years ago and mm-hmm. uh they're back with a vengeance and we haven't even gotten clay back so um and wiseman's not playing so it's you know, who knows what's going to happen with those guys when they get back. But uh, this team's got a lot of promise. And I really liked the Aaron Gordon um, trade when it happened because I felt like they needed that one piece. The way that they were perfectly constructed with Jamal and with Michael Porter Jr. and with the MVP, Jokic. It's like you add a guy like Aaron Gordon. I compared him last year to the Rasheed Wallace signing, you know, mm-hmm. when the Pistons ended up winning. Like he felt like that kind of an impact player, like a guy who – has always kind of floated around, not really kind of underachieved. Like I felt like a winning environment would have really changed him and everything. And not to say that he's not, uh, you know, a good player on, on nights, but I don't think he gives you what Michael Porter Jr. was going to give you in terms of, you know, production at this point. He's just nice to have as a nice, you know, third or fourth banana on the team. So Mm -hmm. Ben, I got to ask who are you disappointed in this year? Uh, my own team, the Pacers. I, they've been. I knew that's where you were going. I knew yeah. where we were going with this. Dude, yeah, they've been. They've been so disappointing, man. And I had high hopes. You know, we bring Rick Carlisle back. Uh, you know, we we actually have a good draft with uh, Chris Durarty. I can't say it. Never say his name right. Durarty. Um, yes. You know, we, we have a good draft. You have Sabonis, who's an all-star. You have Miles Turner, who was uh, uh, there, you know, running for defensive player of the year. You know, you get Malcolm Brogdon, who, who's lights out, who's played really well. 
you know, you have, you know, you have the holiday boys. I mean, like, like we were set up, you know, and we were going to get TJ Warren and, and Jeremy Lamb back. Like, like we were set up to have a, a really good positive season and it just hasn't happened, man. It has not clicked for us at all. So, um, you know, I, I, our stars have played like stars, but man, we've gotten really nothing on the back end, you know, um, like I like TJ McConnell and I like Justin Holiday. Um, Jeremy Lamb's been a little bit of a disappointment. Um, and, and I like some of these guys, but man, like our, our I feel like the back half of our roster uh, uh, has not stepped up the way that I thought it would. Um, you know, they moved Diarte to the bench. Um, so so hopefully that'll help that second union unit find some scoring. Um, but yeah, man, they've been, they've been really disappointed. I've been, I've been truly disappointed in the Pacers. I really thought that, uh, I thought they would play better. I thought they would play better defensively. Um, they've been atrocious defensively. So, um, yeah, that's, that's been my, my biggest disappointment. I really thought that I'm not saying that they were going to win a championship, but man, I thought they would be right there in the playoff hunt. And, and they've lost five out of the last six games, which is yep. totally demoralizing for a team. Um, and I always feel like the, the Indiana Pacers are one of those, those teams that's always kind of in the mix with everything. Um, you got Sabonis, who I really like. And mm-hmm. if y'all ever wanted to give them up, uh, the Bulls would definitely be I listeners. <laughs> we need a power forward real bad. Yeah. So, um, but uh, yeah, it. I, I agree with you, Ben. I feel like they they have had a disappointing year. They did they did smack around my Bulls back on uh, November twenty second. Yeah. Uh, they beat them one hundred nine to seventy seven. But besides that, uh, they haven't really had a game where they've uh, came out and really really gave anybody the business. No. So and, and you know looking at it, you know I know we're you know what a, uh, a quarter of the way through the season at this point, you know, if the Pacers are going to make up any of this time, they're, they're going to have to move quick because yeah. at, at the moment they are, uh, it looks like uh, four and a half, five and a half games out of uh, the, the last playoff spot here. So, or well, four, four games out of the play in, I should say. So, um, but you know you got other teams like the Knicks and the Hawks are above you, and the mm-hmm. Sixers. So it's like, and I just those guys, I they're better teams right now. Yeah, and they got a tough. Yeah, they've got a tough way to go, man. I mean, you know they've got they've got some games in there. I think that you know, but they you know the Wizards are playing well. They got the Knicks, the Mavericks are five hundred. Then they got the Warriors. Then they got the Bucks. You do get a game with the Pistons, uh, but then you go Heat. Then you have a game with the Rockets. So then you got Bulls, Hornets, and then Bulls again to end your December, and that's a that's a tough schedule to go through. Uh, if you don't sneak up and win a couple of those, I mean, you could be looking at a long season turning the corner in January. Do you think that there's any moves this season in the in the Pacers' future? Uh, that hasn't. I mean, if the past serves as as any indicator, no. I mean, they they, <laughs> they 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 usually. I mean, we usually don't make any moves. We usually kind of sit on our hands. Um, I know that uh, you know. I know that they're confident in Sabonis and Brogdon uh, and a couple of those guys. Um, maybe moving Miles Turner to bring in another scorer. Maybe I I don't know. But uh, and, and 
previous years they have not made moves. They they haven't been the wheelers and the dealers, you know, before the trade deadline. So it, it'll be interesting to see. Ben, I you know I, I've been talking about. I always keep throwing this around because I keep hearing it. Um, one of the trades that I keep hearing is that people think that Golden State should trade away their young guys for Domitasa Bonus. And uh, that that trade would include uh, Jonathan Kaminga and uh, Moody and, of course, uh, Wiseman. And um, none of those guys have, have really been proven yet. Obviously, two are rookies, one's in the second year who's not ready to play yet. But one thing I noticed about the Pacers roster is that they're, they're young. Like the yeah. Pacers are a young basketball team. Um, you know, Brogdon's 29 as far as like their main, you know, their main guy on the roster who's the oldest. I mean, you got some bench guys like Torrey Craig who's a little older. But um, like you said, you, you guys are missing a bunch of guys. TJ Warren, um, who probably won't be back until January. Um, and yeah. if you ever were to get bubble TJ Warren back, I mean, that's a whole different basketball team. But do you think that there's a possibility that the Pacers go that route and they just say, hey, we're young. Let's get younger. Let's maybe get a good draft pick next year and not necessarily tank the season. Right. Uh, Oklahoma City's doing, but maybe make some of those trades to say, hey, we're going to we're going to be young and competitive starting next year because they know like when we get all of our guys here and healthy, like we are going to be a competitive basketball team. Which is what I've always seen with the Pacers. The Pacers are com- they're they're every single year they're competitive. Right. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure it'll be Sabonis. I mean, because Sabonis is only 25. Him and Miles Turner are both only 25. So I, I don't know if I don't know if they'll move Sabonis. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure, man. I you know I, I'm not sure what they'll do. Um, I could see them, you know, possibly moving moving a guy but that in the years past they've kind of stood pat on on their roster uh, and not made a whole lot of moves so i i don't i'm not sure i'm not really sure what they'll do um uh, but it, they've been they've been truly like just underwhelming as far as as far as what they've put on the floor and, and you know one of the part of that too is um i i don't think Karis Levert has played pretty played well i mean he he hasn't been the same guy that they had uh, before the trade, um, so you know you're not you're not getting as much from him as I thought you would. Uh, I thought he would be a twenty point a game scorer. Right now, he's only scoring, he's only averaging fourteen point seven um, and two point nine assists, uh, and he's only shooting twenty eight percent from three and shooting forty three percent from the field. So, uh, all right, no, my bad. I, that's the last ten games. He's only shooting twenty eight percent from three. And forty-three percent from the field, um, so uh, you know to get more out of him uh, would be nice. Uh, he's only he is only shooting twenty-five percent from three for the year, though. So, um, so he's not he hasn't really given us as much as I thought that he would. Even though he did score twenty-seven uh, versus Miami, but in the two losses to Atlanta and Minnesota, he scored six and nine. So, I don't know. I would like to see him do a little bit more. He would help. That would help a lot. Um, and, and you know, their their bench has to come a little bit better, a little bit stronger. So I'm not sure if they'll make a move, but um, I, I think their roster is solid. Um, they just they need just more production from the bench. 
Well, you got 57 games to fix it. I know. It's <laughs> <laughs> a lot. Let's, That's let's a lot. Hey, we're only a quarter of the way in, man. Rick Carlisle, I still got faith in him. Um, you know, he's done it before, uh, you know, so I'm hoping that he can can right the ship. And, you know, when anytime you get a new coach, new system, you're going to have some kinks and, and, and some things going. So I'm hoping that's just part of it. Uh, and then towards the second half of this season that they'll – They'll turn around and play better basketball. One last thing about about the Pacers. I feel like, you know, uh, when you bring in a coach like Rick Carlisle, who is, you know, won an NBA championship and, uh, you know, is just he's he's, you know, a great NBA coach. I don't know exactly if, you know, what they said that, you know, he was going to sign up for, like, I don't know if they want to get younger, if he's ready to coach more younger people, things of that nature. Um, I don't know. I, I, I see them tinkering the roster. I don't see him getting completely super young with it. It would be fun though, to see Sabonis out in out in dubs land, because that would be crazy. That would be absolutely. I think he would fit on that roster like a glove. So yeah, that'd be insane. So, but it would probably piss off mountains of Pacer fans seeing oh, him would. go out west and and yeah, and succeed. it would for sure. So, so, anyways, Josh, <laughs> who's uh, who is there a team that's that's kind of bugging you this year that you thought would be um, a little bit better? Well, the obvious is the Lakers. Um, yes. I don't really want to, I don't really want to talk about that because I feel like <laughs> we talk about the Lakers a lot. Um, and uh. If I if if I was to look at the team, I'm going to group these teams together. Um, but there's one team that stands out more to me than the rest of them. So all the East Coast teams. So you got Boston, Philly, New York, and Toronto, um, who are all kind of like on that East Coast. Um, and Atlanta, who's kind of semi East Coast. Um, that group of teams right there. Uh, to me have all been a little disappointing, but if I had to pick one out of them, I'm going with the New York Knicks. And uh, my, my reason being is that for the first time in, in, in Lord knows how long they made the playoffs. Um, it was super hype in the garden, you know, and then they let, they let Tim's favorite uh, point guard of all time. <laughs> <laughs> And take a bow at him at half court um, <laughs> as he went in as he went in and stuck a dagger in their heart. And so they're like, we need to get better. And they made some roster moves and they got Kimba Walker. And you're like, oh man, Kimba with the Knicks, like that's gonna be legit. And then he's played about as good as um a guy who's trying to make the G League roster. Um, he has struggled badly. And so much that, that Tibbs benched him. And um, I would expect this team with their roster and the way it's constructed um, to be better than one game under 500 at this point. And uh, they're going in the wrong direction right now. They've lost three in a row. Um, they're four and six in their last 10. And um, I don't know what their true issue is. Um, I will say this. I, I was, I, as much as we all rag on Stephen A. Smith, he was definitely, um, he was on the Knicks the other night when they played Brooklyn and they, 
they were they, they had a lead and then Brooklyn went on this huge run on them and got up by like 16 and then they fought back into the game and took the lead. But one of the things he was complaining about was that after the game, Julius Randle and R.J. Barrett, who left the game hurt, they were complaining about the refs and complaining about the calls. And then he was getting back on the Knicks like your two main guys are left handed. And all you guys keep doing is trying to go left. And he was like, the whole defense knows you're left-handed. You're not trying to do anything else. You guys keep going to the left and trying to do stuff on the left hand. So they're guarding you that way. And it's causing you to be able to miss shots. So like, they're not making any adjustments. Um, I don't know if, if um, the, the roster move of um, sitting Kimball Walker and playing Alec Burks at the point guard is the answer. Um, I don't know if they're going to give quickly any more playing time. I really like him a lot. I, yeah. I, think, Same. I think that he could maybe be the guy that kind of jump starts that. But I look at this roster with them adding Fournier and they got Randall and Burks and Quigley and Toppin and Barrett and Rose and they got Mitchell Robinson back and Taj Gibson kind of like that, that enforcer from the old school. He's a, he's a Thibs guy and you got Nolan Noel and you got Knox and you got, uh, Right. I mean, they're they have a really good deep roster with a lot of young guys and a lot of veteran guys. And I feel like they should be further along in the process than what they are right now. So it's it's really frustrating because and, and somebody said this, this I think it might have been uh, Kendrick Perkins. Uh, he said that the New York Knicks are the Dallas Cowboys of the NBA. As far <laughs> as concerned, they're like every year it's either championship or bust. But them fools ain't even made it to the playoffs. Even <laughs> right. <laughs> so they make, they make one playoff game, and everybody's like, "We're back!" You know, the the, the the Knicks are back, and we're like, "Nah, bro, you guys lost a playoff series. Like, you ain't back. Like, what are you really doing?" So I don't know what they need to do to adjust this roster. I just don't. I don't know if it's that they're not there yet because they're still young enough. But like I said, we've seen what Derrick Rose can do when he's on the floor. Um, I actually feel like Fortier has been playing very, very well, um, just based off of the games that I've watched. Um, I don't, I don't know, man. I really don't know what's wrong with this team. I don't. I, I feel like they should be better than what they are. I feel like they should be a top four team in the East, and they're not there yet. I mean, they are sitting in the ninth spot right now. I think. Yeah. Uh, no, they're sitting in the eleventh spot. Eleventh, eleventh spot. Yep, yep. They're in the eleventh spot and. You know, with the emergence of Cleveland and Charlotte and Washington, you know, those are three teams that are keeping Atlanta and Philly and New York out of the playoffs right now. And if they don't fix this now, they don't fix it now. Like they're going to be that we had one year where we made the playoffs, lost to the Hawks and we're gone. And then they're going to be in this whole rebuilding stage again, probably. (laughs) So. I don't know if you guys have any insight. I don't know if you see anything different than I do, but like it just, it, it seemed like early in the season, I thought it was there. And then it's just kind of fell off a little bit. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, the decision to go ahead and remove Kimba Walker from the rotation uh, is one that really kind of hurts. Um, Cause we were all really looking forward to him showing up, being a garden guy. That was going to be like the big thing this year. Kemba going back to, to New York mm-hmm. and everything. Um, but his defensive rating while he was in, I believe, was <laughs> was a negative. So uh and and Tibbs is the king of defense. He's one of the best defensive player 
defensive coaches in the league, if not the best. Um, and um, it's interesting because you look at all of these other um, small guards that he's had over the years um, that have been able to excel in his, his system. You know, Nate Robinson uh, is one that always comes to my mind, you know, uh, like there was no reason that guy should have been out there doing anything, but he ended up, you know, dragging the bulls to a, a playoff series win against the Brooklyn nets, you know? So there are smaller guys that aren't great on defense that are able to, to, fit that roster but kimba for some reason uh tibbs is was totally out on uh this year and you know josh you read over that roster and to me like that whole roster it it just sounds like a lot of fun like everything about that sounds fun and i feel like the reason why we're all so disappointed right now in the knicks is because last year we left feeling oh man we we got back to the playoffs this year um, it was a lot of fun. They didn't really perform well in the playoffs because Tensor point guard, like you said, just destroyed them. Yeah. So, so I don't know where you go from there. You know, do you do you develop uh, your your talent you have right now? Do you give more minutes to Quigley and just let him roll with it? Because um, I there's so many players on this team that I like. Like I really like Mitchell Robinson. I think Randall is just an absolute stud. You mm-hmm. know, uh, you know. And, and Evan Fournier seems like a great fit for this team. So it's it it's just kind of maddening looking at, looking at where they're at. I have a feeling that the Knicks are going to figure it out this year. And I if I were a betting man, and I am not, um, I I feel like they're going to make it back into the playoffs this year. Um, it'll be interesting to see if they make any moves, but you know. One guy I want to mention real quick um, who I feel like he struggled a little bit his rookie season. Um, and I, and I, I think that there, there are starting to be some plays made by him that are impact plays is Obi Toppin. Yeah. And, you know, he's only averaging 15 minutes a game, but he's averaging eight almost – he's averaging eight points a game, and four rebounds. And um, – I feel like, you know, if you give a guy like that minutes, you know, he probably needs to develop his shooting a little bit better. Um, but he's like, he's one of those energy guys, high flyer, all over yeah. the place, dunks, you know. he And when they were playing the Nets the other night, like he had that kind of game. Like he caught a noob, um, loose ball, he got one, um, you know, had a, had, a, had a dunk that like kind of got the crowd going. And mm-hmm. – I don't. I, I feel like these guys, like Mitchell Robinson, who we know he was hurt last year, but before he got hurt, he was absolutely balling out of his mind mm-hmm. um, before he got hurt. And like I said, you know what you're going to get from Derrick Rose when he goes in the game. Um, he's consistent. Uh, I don't know if maybe there's too many guys in the rotation. I don't know if he slims his rotation down and gives more people men. I, I don't know. I, I, Taj Gibson, I, I don't. I think he's there to kind of be more of like a coach player. Um, you know, just he's defensively minded. He's there. He's not. He's playing 18 minutes a game. He's not playing a lot. Um, maybe he's there to help guys like Noel um, and help guys like Mitchell Robinson and stuff like that. Um, but I will tell you that I've been super disappointed in RJ Barrett um, up to this point. Oh yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, he had a really good run at the end of his rookie season. He really started progressing. He really started kind of blossoming. And then, like, almost like that sophomore slump, man, like he's not even shooting 40% from the field. 
Um, you know, his points per game went down. You know, he he's he's just he's not the guy he was, you know, towards the end of the season. So you know what you're gonna get from Randall. I mean, Randall's getting you 20 and 10. Um and they got a lot of guys that are putting up double digits. Like I said, it's just that I don't know. You think they're gonna figure it out? I mean, we both we both know what we get out of Tibbs as the coach. Um, he gets the most out of his players. It's still early, but I'm still disappointed with them up to this point. I'm not even a Knicks fan. I just, based off of what I saw last year going into this year, I feel like the progression should have been different, and it's not. I definitely would agree with that. I didn't even want to get on the Lakers. I don't even want to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not. Dude, we're, a, just, we're just not. Yeah, I was going to say, that's a whole nother. Well, <laughs> That's a whole other thing, and and you know what, the Lakers are gonna get, they're gonna go up and down the whole year, and mm-hmm. and that is that's Tim's team to talk about, and he's not here today, so we're just gonna he can't we're defend him. Well, he wouldn't defend him. But. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, I think that about does it for this episode of the bench mob podcast thank you all for joining us here on a sunday night it's been Whoa, real quick real quick oh go ahead bench gods we didn't do our bench gods yet all right go let's let's do them let's do them because I, I don't have one this week because i haven't been paying as much attention to bench players josh go for it um i'll throw in real quick um and really mine's just over the last couple games um Again, a guy that's not going to get you a lot of points, not a rebounds, um, but he is a he is a guy that comes in and gives you high energy, and that's Gary Payton the second. Oh yes, uh, oh yes, and good good choice. Friday night, Friday night against against Phoenix, that second game that they played, he was all over the place. He hit he hit threes. Uh, I think he ended up with seventeen points. Um, he had a couple big shots in the corner, and then he had a huge dunk at the end of the game that like sent the crowd in a frenzy. Um, he doesn't get a lot of minutes, but what I did notice that if you go to his per thirty six, um, his stats are a little bit insane. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you go to his per thirty six, he's he's averaging seventeen points a game, eight rebounds, and almost four steals. Oh wow, that's nuts. It's real. That's really. That is. That's, that's pretty incredible. And he only plays fourteen you know, I mean, minutes. Well, and it's interesting because he's an he's an older player at this point. I mean, he's he's twenty nine years old. So yeah. you know, and he's finally getting his uh, his moment out in Golden State at the moment. And you know, he like like you said, he played really well uh, against the Suns the other night. The Suns didn't have Booker the other night, so uh, I actually. Yeah. I watched the first, I think, four minutes of that, and then when I realized that Booker was not there, I was like, "I'm out. This isn't going to be that competitive or fun without Booker here." So I, I, I dipped out on that. But yeah, I, I agree with you, dude. Gary Payton the second has been uh, fantastic in spurts, and uh, it's it's fun to watch him go out there and play. And he's he can get up there, man. He's had a few really nice dunks this season that have just really gotten the crowd going crazy. So Ben, yeah. who's your bench God of the week? My bench God of the week is a friend of the show. Milwaukee buck, Pat Connaughton bench God of the week. Pat uh, is averaging 12 points. almost five rebounds. almost two since he's actually averaging 16.1 for a poor 36. Uh, he's actually playing 
27 minutes a game. He's given the Bucks a huge lift off their bench. Um, those are all career highs for him um, as far as points, rebounds, and assists. So, Pat Connaughton, friend of the show, bench god of the week. Man, I feel like we're always going for those Milwaukee Bucks players. They've got they're so deep over there in Milwaukee. They are. They're 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 crazy deep. They're crazy deep. I actually there. think that Ben. Um, I think that this is he's he's been the first person that's been nominated twice already. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I nominated him a few weeks ago, uh, which just goes to show you how well he's been playing consistently over the year so far. Yeah, he's played really well. Big, big Pat Connaughton fan here at at the Forty Eight Minutes Network. So former guest. So those are those are both great picks, guys. Uh, both of those guys. The NBA is so deep right now. There's so much talent going out there every night, um, with the exception of the occasional Oklahoma City Thunder <laughs> Memphis Grizzlies matchup. Yeah, uh, it's a pretty entertaining league. So <laughs> that'll do it for uh, our episode this week with the bench mob tonight. Uh, he'll be back on the next episode.